Our project today is about finance. That's always our project because this is a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank. But today, we're linking the two together. Project finance. Well, what is that? We're going to find out from two experts here. We have Paloma Perez de Vega, who is the head of project finance for outside the European Union here at the European Investment Bank. And we have Peter Jeffries, who's the deputy head of project finance for northern, central, and southeastern Europe. Before we get into the project finance, Paloma, I gather you jump off mountains. I want to see if this is something to do with, you know, how you qualifying as a project finance expert. Does that involve jumping off mountains? Well, I used to, to be correct. So I, I did a paragliding course when I lived in Spain and Madrid and um, stopped it as soon as I almost fell from three meter. Ah, so you, you cut it off right there. I cut it off right there. Uh-huh. Peter, you ever jumped off any mountains? Um, I have jumped off a mountain, actually. I, I also have done a paragliding course. Um, um, my story was a little less successful than Paloma's because uh, I managed to jump off and, and, and break a leg. So uh, that didn't work out quite so well for me. Um, so instead, I moved to climbing mountains rather than jumping off them. Ah, oh, but you um, haven't fallen off any, though. No, well, uh, well, actually, I have fallen off some as well, but but at least I'm not jumping off them. But you still keep, keep, on, keep on going. Does that mean that there's not enough risk in project finance? You, you have to look for it on, on mountains and rocks? Uh, no, I think risk is very much about um, mitigating and managing risk. Mm. Uh-huh. And right. I think that's quite a fun process. Right, because you didn't jump off without a parachute, after all, right? So that's... That's the mitigating <laughs> risk there. Okay. So, Paloma, let's start. Let's, let's say, what is project finance? Okay. So, um, PF or project finance can be described uh, as a means of financing mainly large infrastructure and industrial projects, whereby the um, lenders um, and participants rely mainly on the forecast cash flows of the project itself, as opposed, for instance, to the balance sheet or financials of a company, which would be the case for a corporate loan. Mm -hmm. It is often um, no or more commonly limited recourse vis-a-vis -vis the project sponsors. The, the limited recourse meaning what exactly? That um, if something goes wrong with the, with the project itself, the sponsors are remote to the project, so they do not. It, it, as it, we don't depend on the ca on the balance sheet of the sponsor. So the, they so, create so a, a special purpose vehicle to carry the project, to carry forward the project, mm -hmm. and um, the SPV will build the plant, will receive payments, uh, and if something goes wrong with during construction or operation, the sponsors and shareholders. Mm -hmm. somewhat protected compared to a um, a corporate loan where a bank can always uh, ask for other collateral so if if a, if a project falls through uh, then the bank can can ask for other parts of the company to repay um, the loan with project finance it's it's the the whole risk is based on this one single project correct there it's it's not i mean there are contingent uh, guarantees depending on the project 
but mostly the basic principle is that that uh, in a project finance a special purpose company is created to, to carry out the project and uh, the whole financing revolves around this project the con normally the spv will pay for the co construction through debt and equity and will receive payments either from the market or from uh, public or private sector of uh, of takers for instance for the goods and services or services that it produces during operation. It's a risky enterprise and extensive due diligence on the project itself and the viability and the risk distribution is key. Mm -hmm. And this is called assessing the bankability of the project. Because lenders rely mostly on the cash flows of the project for repayment, technical uh, legal, environmental, social risks also, in addition to financial and credit risk, also become credit risks. And at the heart of a PF is risk distribution. And therefore, so that the risk has to be distributed, borne by the party most able to, to take it. And this is reflected in the contractual framework of a PF, which is quite complex. There are not, uh, many documents that can be divided into project documents, construction and operation, uh, financing documents, so financial contracts, the common terms agreement, security, because not only do lenders rely on cash flows, they also take mortgages on assets and pledges on receivables, on shares, so on and so forth. And um, so it's reflected in the contractual framework and also in a financial model. Without going into too much detail, the financial model reflects the base case scenario of the project and is also, uh, well, reflects basically the whole project, uh, all the risks, the risk allocation, the revenues, cash flow. And uh, it's often stress tested to see how robust the project is to downward uh, sensitivities. Okay, let's just get into the, the special purpose vehicles there, because I think that's a very interesting thing here. Peter, let's get into more a little bit. How is that different from loans? And how do you set up a special purpose vehicle? Well, I mean, a special purpose vehicle is essentially a, a company set up for an individual purpose. So um, at Financial Close, uh, typically for most project finance operations, a company is set up it has not existed before financial close and it is exists with the sole purpose of conducting the project and by conducting the project i mean raising the finance constructing and operating the project and so on throughout its life but if i so, if i sorry to interrupt you but if i set up a subsidiary company to uh to um make a new product for example and i ask for bank financing of this subsidiary company. How is that different from project finance? Well, there again, we jump back to the point of limited recourse, where typically for project finance, we are lending not against the strength of the corporate balance sheet or the historic performance of, a, of, of the corporate, but instead we are lending against solely the assets and rights of the project company. Mm -hmm. So in assessing that, we need to assess in, in a great deal of detail the individual business of that project company. Because you're essentially giving loan to a, a company with no history, no financial uh, background, you have no... In, indeed, on the basis of contracts which are, uh, which are signed at the time that that co company is established. 
So whilst there will be some additional securities that exist for the company more than just the equity that has been subscribed to the company, under the terms of the construction subcontract, there will likely be support and even third-party support for the credit of that. It will be limited in nature. And ultimately, lenders will have access solely to that limited recourse of that limited security. Lenders will not have the ability to go back to the sponsors with, the big, with their big balance sheets and require further commitments. And Paloma, mm-hmm. I understand why it's uh, attractive for a company to, to do project finance because then the bank you know, has no recourse to my other assets. Why is it, uh, why is it good for, for banks to do project finance? Why don't, we, why don't we just ask to have recourse to all of the assets of of all the all the companies. PF often is a way to finance, for instance, public-private partnerships, which are um, contra- long-term agreements in which a public sector is the, the the purchaser of the good or service. So, in the case of an energy plant, it's called an off-taker, um, and these projects are tendered out usually. When they are tendered, it's a private sector that decides whether it will be financed on balance sheet or off balance sheet. So basically, it's the it's not the decision of the IB to or, the, or any bank to tell this the private sector you have to finance it on a corporate basis. Um, historically, Peter, you can you can uh, correct me if wrong, but historically, non-performing loans on PFs have also been relatively low, even compared to and, corporates. And, and, and indeed, because so much more work is done ex ante in terms of assessing the credit risk, um, and of course, there are so many more additional elements of both due diligence and security that need to be structured within a project financing. But actually, often the the recovery rate is pretty good amongst project finance operations. Um, There are, of course, other benefits of having a single risk profile, if you like, where you're lending to a single project, which is that, of course, whilst you don't benefit from the big balance sheet and you don't benefit, benefit from the assets, you don't benefit from, or you're not detracted by the liabilities either. So you have very much a focused credit risk analysis on that one business plan of that single special purpose vehicle. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get the term uh, off balance sheet transactions, is well, that? Well, off balance sheet um, um, can mean a, a number of different things within, within project finance because we can talk about the balance sheet treatment of the shareholders, but Typically at EIB, the discussion around on or off balance sheet occurs around PPP, so public-private partnerships, and how the project is treated for statistical purposes from the perspective of the public sector's balance sheet. So in these projects, the public sector is essentially awarding a contract which is undertaken by the private sector and financed on a project finance basis. Now, under the terms of those contracts, the public sector agrees to make payments to the private sector, grants a a license or a concession to be able to use the asset, and agrees to make payments often um, to the private sector based on a series of criteria. Whether or not those payments should be accounted for or treated from a statistical perspective as on the balance sheet of the public sector or off the balance sheet of the public sector depends upon the nature of the risk transfer that has occurred between the public and private sector. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is certainly an element where 
there has been quite a lot of change over the course of the last few months and years. And, and in fact, where EIB has tried to help the market, in particular with the European expertise, European PPP Expertise Centre, where we have worked with Eurostat, which is the entity that ultimately decides whether or not or what a given statistical treatment should be, to establish relatively clear framework for how PPP should be treated from a statistical perspective. I think this is very much a second order or even third order question compared to the principal goal of structuring a, a project financing or PPP, which is very much about maximising value for money, ensuring a fair and appropriate risk allocation, and trying to maximise the efficiencies between the involvement of the public and the private sector. Paloma, you know, you mentioned that the project in project finances is usually something pretty big. So these are usually large amounts of money. Do they do they only work for large amounts of money, or are they things that you could also do if you had a smaller uh, investment amount? Well, because it takes so long to structure a project, um, and there are a lot of sunk costs to structuring the project, because PF requires advisors as well, such as... Um, legal advisors, engineers, insurance advisors, um, so on and so forth. It doesn't make a lot of sense to use project finance for very small projects. There are some exceptions, but as a general rule, one can say that a typical uh, PF size would be 50 million euro and above for a project cost, ideally, uh, so so um, 50 million being the minimum, although particularly in developing countries, we see exceptions and, and smaller smaller projects. But um, procuring entities have to be very mindful of how much and, and private sector of what the costs involved in structuring the PF. And, and with, with small projects, um, of course, there are many assets which cost significantly less than the sort of thresholds which which might be applied for project finance. But then typically what is done by, by promoters is the bundling of those assets. Mm-hmm. E- so either at the public sector level for PPPs, where you'll have multiple schools, for example, under one single procurement of a PPP, or alternatively in the, in the private sector, if we're talking about PF, where, uh, where in certain countries you have licenses for development of wind farms restricted to 12 turbines for an individual site. And so what you'll find is that you won't have a project financing for 12, 12 turbines, but what you'll have is, is one entity which has won a series of these different concessions will then finance those all in one go. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, you don't structure this financing, which is relatively time-consuming and, and expensive to structure, for one small asset, which, which falls below that threshold. But instead, you can bundle those in order to achieve an economy of scale. This is a dictionary of finance. So let's write another entry in the dictionary. Peter, user-based financing. Um, so here, I think what we're what we're discussing here is more around the demand risk project. So mm. uh, again, where we're talking about um, um, users actually paying for for using the asset and financing the asset based on uh, based on the level of, of user payment. So that's the, like the so, real toll on a road. I- indeed. Mm-hmm. And airports or ports, and, uh, so, but to a certain in, indeed, mm-hmm. uh, and there are examples of where, whilst of course, um, demand risk projects introduce additional levels of revenue risk, there are examples where that can uh, uh, that's not necessarily all bad news. 
So there are examples of where users may actually be relatively highly credit worthy, maybe making payments in hard currencies and so on. And so where actually that may not be as credit negative of the project as you might otherwise expect. And the next entry, which is project bonds. So project bonds are simply a mechanism of capital markets investors investing in infrastructure projects, in particular investing in in project finance or PPP projects. Um, VIB back with the European Commission back in in the 2007 to 2014 programming period uh, launched an initiative to accelerate the involvement of capital markets investors in the funding of infrastructure and to unlock the 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 opportunity of having capital markets investment in infrastructure and launched a, an initiative called the Project Bond Initiative, um, which involved a, a um, VIB providing a subordinated instrument, which is a funded or unfunded instrument, for support of capital markets funded projects. So this allows investors who don't have the capacity to really go in and do all the due diligence on the risk of a certain project to to still invest in project finance simply because they, they trust the, the due diligence that's been done by the IB? Well, the, the project bond initiative required them to have a certain degree of, of expertise themselves and that they were investing alongside EIB, albeit EIB was taking a slightly subordinated position to them. Um, but nevertheless, it did facilitate the investment of a number of capital markets investors. However, what we've seen now is that capital markets investors are actually playing in this market either directly or indirectly themselves. So in some senses... Um, it's like a gateway um, drug. In, in some senses, the, the goal was to achieve this by 2020, and, and it, it feels as though we've achieved it probably a little bit early. Hooray for us. What a great, uh, what a great success that sounds like. Hooray for you, Peter and Paloma. Thank you so much for explaining project finance to us today. We'll just uh, let you guys abseil out of the window right now or uh, whatever other crazy risky project finance person thing you're going to do to go back to your offices from here. If you're listening right now, subscribe. There's 57 other fantastic episodes out there or or something like that around, uh, around this subject and others like it. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, all those other kinds of places and be in touch with us if you'd like to ask questions that we could then put as follow-ups to Peter and Paloma and our other experts. I'm at EIBMatt, E-I-B-M-A-T-T. And I'm at Alar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. And we'll be back next week with more on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank.